Welcome back, friends. You are listening to Parenting for the Culture, and I am your host, Cherie Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, this year's PBS Early Learning Champion, which a few of you have asked about. It's like a role, kind of like Miss America. It's a role where PBS is honoring different early educators to make sure that early educators are highlighted and seen. And with that role and position comes a few uh, responsibilities, such as further educating myself in the field of child development, going to conferences, speaking at conferences, hosting webinars. So yeah, that's what it is. PBS also has amazing resources for parents and children. So just head over to PBS kids.com and check out all of the resources they have. This is not a paid ad. This is just me loving PBS. PBS to me has always been on the front lines of activism and advocacy for children and people of diverse backgrounds. So I'm always going to advocate for them wherever I go. As always, I like to start with the peak and pit of my day. It's something that I do with my children that just helps us to open up conversation that's not you know, that kind of like, how was your day? It was good. What did you do? I played. So asking about the best part and the worst part of our day allows us a a little clarity into what's going on in their day. So it's something that I do with my family. I invite you to do it with your family and you will actually find out some really valuable information. I want to share a quick story before I share the peak and pit of my day about the value of peak and pit of your day. So towards the latter half of school, like the last month or so, maybe last few weeks, my son Daniel was really adamant about not going to school. And I think I shared that on one of the previous episodes. And I was saying how, you know, the environment changes, the energy changes, we're nearing the end of the year. What I found out through peak and pit of our day is that Because some of the teachers were changing, they had the substitute teacher coming into the classroom. And this substitute teacher was not letting my son take a little cat nap after he eats. (laughs) But on a regular basis, he would eat his lunch. And then I guess he would put his head down somewhere and take a little five minute nap. And this was something his best friend, Miss McCorder, would always let him do. And when the substitute was in the class, she was not letting him take a little nap. And it was like destroying his whole day and his whole experience of school. And so he just didn't want to go all together. So I share that because that's such a simple, easy thing to change. I can simply talk to the teacher and make sure that he gets a little five minute nap. And then my mornings and trying to get him up and out the door to school are so much more peaceful and easy. But again, it's one of those things that we found out when sharing the peak and pit of our day, because it's not really it's something that happens to him in the middle of the day that he wouldn't really otherwise think to share about because it's not really like the biggest part of his day to him, but it makes a huge impact on his day and how he experiences school. So I was really thankful for that. Anyways, the peak and pit of my day is that the pit is I sliced my hand. I sliced my hand while washing dishes on a chipped cup. That cup is now in the trash and I'm mad at it. uh, And I'm mad that I had to continue washing dishes with a cut hand, but I put a bandaid on. So don't worry about our dishes. They are clean and blood free. And the peak of my day is this beautiful, sunny California weather. I have told you before that I absolutely love summertime. I love the weather. I love being able to be outdoors. And the weather today is calling my name and telling me, yes, you all can be outdoors for a long period of time. So today I want to get into a conversation that 
I don't know who is better equipped than me. Now, I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but of all the people I know and all the people that know me, y'all know I got six children ages 13, 11, 10, seven and twin five year olds. And so we are going to talk about siblings today and sibling dynamics because we got a lot of siblings in the house. And one of the questions I often get, well, one of the comments is like, girl, I don't know how you do it. I can't handle my one. I don't know how you do six. First of all, to anybody shaming themselves about having a hard time handling one child versus more than one child, let me tell you that one child somehow is harder than multiple children. And it is because that one child is always in your face. (laughs) Like not only do you have to be uh, mom or dad, doctor, therapist, coach, bedtime coach, but you also have to be the active best friend slash friend who is always there to entertain and play with your child. So it is harder. With siblings, they at least sometimes go play with each other hang out with each other, occupy each other, and give me a little bit more time. And then, of course, they also fight with each other, right? So we're going to talk about siblings and the dynamics, the challenges, and how not just how I've learned to manage them, but how the things that I have learned through child development and through studying parenting and human development and all those things, how they have helped me in parenting my siblings, Now, for me, this conversation came about because recently my 13-year-old was asking to go to the movies with one of her friends, and she's gone to the movies before with a group of friends, and I went to the movies also, right? She tried to go... (laughs) She tried to go to the group with the group of friends by herself, but I was like, oh, no, I want to watch the movie, too. So I sat, you know, at a different part of the theater, let them have their time, gave them kind of their space and fake autonomy and independence. Um, But this time I was not able to physically take her to the movies or stay with her, rather. And some of her friends their parents are okay with them at 13, 14 years old going to the movies and hanging out by themselves, catching a bite to eat after, doing whatever, right? And so I found myself kind of really confused because I was like, I didn't anticipate being okay with a 13-year-old hanging out by herself, but now I'm here and I see this 13-year-old and I know this 13-year-old and she's very responsible and I'm actually very comfortable with the idea of her going to a movie by herself, but I feel like I should not be comfortable with it. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I know y'all have hit points in parenting where there's the whole, this is how I feel. This is how I think I should feel. This is how people tell me I should feel. And so I was stuck in one of those moments. And so me, the parent educator, (laughs) parent coach, had to call my big sister who has two adult children and one older teenage son. And I was like, what are we doing in 2023? Are we dropping kids off by themselves? Are they hanging out on their own? You know, at first she was like, no, we're not doing that yet. I didn't do that with my girls. We're not doing that with my nieces. And I said, okay. And then I explained to her how I actually feel comfortable with Christina being on her own. So I'm confused about this. And then I said that one of my biggest things in figuring out whether or not to send her is because Christina is the oldest, she kind of sets the precedence for everybody else. And so anything that she gets to do, I feel like that's going to be the expectation for all five children underneath her. And I'm like, what if the youngest one is going to be out there a little bit fast and she's going to be the one I can't send to a movie by herself at 13 because she's trying to do other things than just watch a movie. 
And so my sister said to me, she said, you know what? All your children got a different parenting package. Christina got one parenting package. Matilda got a different parenting package. And I loved that. I absolutely loved it. And it's so true. My children have already gotten different parenting packages, right? And by parenting package, she was saying like, in certain packages, you get certain freedoms, certain choices. uh, And in other parts, packages you may not have as many and you got to subscribe to each package and you subscribe through your actions and your choices right you subscribe through responsibility and how much responsibility you show you subscribe through how well you're communicating with me and how you're doing in school and all of these other things and as I thought about it I was like that's very true like even when it comes to food just because I have six children they don't all eat the same food I have children that have food allergies and there's no way that I'm giving all of my children the same exact foods because one food that is going to help the oldest child is the same food that is going to kill the youngest child. (laughs) So I have to give them different things to meet their needs and help be the best mom to that individual child and who they are and what they need. So I loved this idea of parenting package. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how we build this parenting package and how we build it in a way where our children are not saying to us, that's not fair. Christina did this and I don't get to do this. Or saying, you know, if they see you take your child out, one of your children out to go shopping, they're not like, that's not fair. She got to go shopping with you. I want to go shopping also. First of all, in response to statements like that, one of the best things you can say to your children is like, I see you want to spend some time together. Is it that you want to go shopping or is it that you want to spend time together? Because what siblings tend to do is they do follow in the shadow of their older sibling, right? They see their older sibling do something. They want to do it also. And it's kind of seeking a a need or feeling or validation of feeling like they're valuable in the family. Here you are spending time with one child or getting something for one child. And the other child is starting to feel a little bit invisible or unseen. So they ask for the same thing thing because they want to feel valued also. But that same thing may not even be something that they want, right? So one child can ask me to go get ice cream. Another child may not even like ice cream, but they might ask for ice cream just because they're trying to keep up, trying to be seen, trying to feel like they are also cared about. So one thing you want to do them is ask them like, are you are you really wanting ice cream right now or are you wanting to spend time together? And usually when you ask that question, even when they're unaware of what they're trying to do, they're going to realize it with that question. And they're going to say, oh, actually, I think I just want to spend time with you. Or they start to realize in different forms of thoughts and words like, actually, I just want to feel seen. So you can ask them, like, what is something you would like to do? And they're going to tell you. Maybe it's that they want to go to a park. Maybe they've been needing a new pair of shoes and they want to go shoe shopping with you. Maybe you have a child that really likes manicures and pedicures and wants to go get a mani-pedi with you. Now, one thing I do with my children is, and I've shared it before, but I'm going to share it again. We have certain days, right? So Whatever day the child was born, that is their day. So I was born on the 4th. So every month on the 4th, that's mommy's day. If I have a child that was born on the 10th of a month, every month on the 10th, that's their day. And during their day, that's the day that everybody knows. Everybody wakes up and says, oh, Eden, it's your day today. Or, oh, Christina, it's your day today. And they know that that person is 
quote in charge, unquote, of the day. So we have rubrics around how we do this. Like if it is a school day, you can't use this day to decide you're going to go to Disneyland instead, right? There's usually like a type of budget in place for this day. There's usually options surrounding like what the day already entails. So on the weekends, we like to do family outings. If the day falls on a weekend, they get to choose what family outing we do that day. If the day falls on a weekday and we have school, they get to choose what we have for dinner that day. Or they get to choose things like if they want to have one-on-one time with a parent that day or one-on-one time with a cousin or an auntie or whoever it is they want or a play date with a friend. That's the day that without question, as long, again, as long as it works within the schedule of the day, that's the day that they get to choose that without question, without fuss, without fight. And it works out really beautifully because every child knows that they have their day coming as well. So very often on that day, regardless of what the child chooses, we have very little complaints because people understand the value of your day. And they also understand that they are also going to get a day where they get to choose. And this kind of takes me back to that idea of what is your child really asking for when they're saying something is unfair or they want to do it too? Really, it's just this idea of like, I don't want to be forgotten about. I don't want to be left out. I want to feel important too. So when you put in place these days and you can do it however you want, maybe you want to do it every week and you do it on the day they were born, like a Friday, right? If you were born on a Friday, you could do it however you want. I got six kids, so I'm not giving six of my days (laughs) to all of my children. Some children were born on the same day, right? So I do it monthly and that sustains us and suffices for us. Um, But you can do it other ways also. If you have two kids, you can tell them, you know, Saturdays are your days, Fridays is someone else's days. And you can do it in other forms. Also, you can even do it in ways where, you know, on Mondays and Wednesdays, one child gets to pick out what dinner it is. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, the other child gets to pick out dinner. On Thursdays, one child gets to help you make dinner or help you with something, right? Or just go on a walk with you around the block. On another day, another child can go on a walk with you around the block. You kind of get the idea. So you can pick and choose how you put this pattern into play. But the idea of it is to have an anticipated day and time that a child knows that they are the priority, where they know that even if today someone else, it looks like someone else is the priority. Today is so-and-so's graduation day. They're getting all the attention. They still know and can anticipate tangibly anticipate that their day is coming where they also get to see feel seen, feel invited, feel important and feel like the priority. The other thing that you want to do with siblings that goes along with, you know, are you saying that you want ice cream or are you saying that you want time is this idea of finding your children's interests. One thing that has always been important to me as an educator, as a parent is to nurture the child that is in front of you. I remember when I was first opening my preschool, I went to one of my mentors and she told me this beautiful analogy about apple seeds. And she said, if you plant an apple seed, all you have to do is make sure that it gets the right amount of water, the right amount of sun, the right amount of shade. 
and that will begin to sprout. And then as long as you continue to give it everything that it needs, it's continue to it's going to continue to grow branches and then leaves and then eventually apples. And as long as you continue to give that seed what it needs, the whole world for the rest of time is going to have apples to eat. But if I take an apple seed and treat it like an orange seed or a banana tree or whatever else, it is not going to grow into what it needs to be to serve its purpose in the world. And I have taken that same approach with every child that has come into my care, whether my own child or children in my classroom. So I spend a lot of time just trying to watch children sit back, give them a lot of opportunities. I think in the past we've even talked about like taking children somewhere and they don't really want to go. Here's why for me, I don't mind taking children where they don't want to go because they may discover parts about themselves that they don't know exist. That is that apple seed inside of them. Or they may discover a part of them that is a weed in them that they that needs to be weeded out, right? So I love giving time and space and opportunity for children to explore themselves, their likes, their dislikes, their challenges, their talents, and then nurturing those. It's definitely one of my gifts. I won't say that it's something that comes naturally to everybody, but I want to share it so that you can start to become aware of it and try to practice it on your own. But I've definitely have a gift for being able to recognize what people are good at and finding ways to nurture it. So some examples of that would be during the pandemic. You know, we had a lot of time. (laughs) So I just started buying different things around the house to bring into the house, whether it was baking supplies or art supplies or science materials or just finding things that are around our house and letting my children explore. Right. Just kind of giving them time, turning off the TV. We've talked about screen time. Turning off screen time is one of the greatest things you can do for finding interests. Turning off screen time, letting your children be bored, letting your children come to you and saying, I'm bored, letting them cry and say, I'm bored, letting them think that there is no way out of their boredom and then leaving them to figure out how to occupy themselves is one of the greatest things you can do in finding your child's gifts and what lights them up. So when we did this during the pandemic, I had one of my children who decided she was going to play in the backyard, ended up finding an old door and some old wood, and actually mapped out a whole blueprint for a table that she could make, and wrote dimensions on it, brought the blueprint to my husband, and my husband and her made a coffee table. And it was the cutest table that actually worked, and we used it. They painted it, designed it, all of those things. Now that child has always been good at math, saw that she was good at math at three years old. Here was an actual tangible math project that she did because she had time and space to be bored. Another one of my children, bored, baking materials at the house. She starts baking, right? Turns out she's an incredible baker. She loves baking, does it to this day. So for her, if she has things she wants to do or gifts I want to buy her or time where she gets to do something on her own, I've taken her on one of our one-on-one days. We went to a baking class together with a sous chef from France on uh, my child who likes to braid hair. On one of our days, we went to the Black Hair Experience Museum. So this is our way of like, I don't have to do the same thing with every child, but I get to find out who that child is individually and nurture them where they are and what they need so that they can feel fulfilled and blessed. The other amazing thing that this does and also helps with siblings. And let me also say that this does not 
solve this issue or absolve this issue from happening. But many times when we have siblings, you always have that comparison thing happening where one sibling will look at another sibling and say, they were doing X, Y, and Z by this age. I should be doing that too. Or they are really good at reading. I should be great reader too. Or just looking at the sibling and noticing other people who have commented on how good they are at reading or how good they are at writing or how good they are at sports and feeling like, I'm not as good a human because I'm not good at sports, right? And so they end up having these feelings of insecurities. You get these like middle child and baby child syndrome because everybody's kind of comparing and competing. And that's a natural thing. It's natural to compare and compete. It's going to happen. But what happens when we're able to see their gifts and nurture their gifts is everybody has their sense of pride and their thing, right? Every one of my children, minus the twins, they're five, so they're still exploring. And I don't even think they yet care about that part of their identity. But every other one of my children kind of knows like, oh, I'm the one who's good at academics and and baking. I'm the one that's good at sports. I'm the one that's good at art. I'm the one that's good at science. I'm the one that's good at hair, right? And I named five things, but I'm just naming some things that each of them have, several of them have several different qualities, right? But it's a great way to boost their self-confidence, give them a sense of self-security, allow them a sense of like, I don't have to be good at all things. I don't have to compete in all things. I can still feel valuable and good about myself with the contributions that I have. And all of these things come from things like peak and pit of the day. It comes from things like having your special day and what do you want to do today? It comes from things like taking your family on field trips and outings, whether or not they want to go. It comes from letting your children be bored and explore in the house and find out how creative they can be with what's around them. And the last thing that I want to talk about when it comes to siblings is the sibling dynamic within themselves, right? (laughs) When I first sought out to have children, I have always wanted a big family. I've always wanted a lot of children. In my mind, I imagined that all of my children were going to be the best of friends and that I was going to give birth to this cute little village that was going to grow up, you know, Jackson 5 without the abuse. I thought that they were going to be, I don't know, start businesses together and live next to each other and go to school together and be college roommates. I had all of those desires and fantasies about my children before even having my children. We have talked about the pillar awareness, right? That is a fantasy and idea that I have to be very aware of and stay in touch with because if it's not met, I end up being very disappointed. Pillar E, expectations. I ended up being disappointed about an expectation that I had before even having children. One thing that I have kind of shifted my belief in when it comes to siblings and realized really, again, through sitting back and watching them and letting them tell me and show me who they are, is that they are not going to be best friends just because they're siblings. They're just not. There are six of them with completely different personalities and completely different interests and completely different challenges and communication styles and coping skills and all of these different things. And if I was to try to force them to be best friends, it actually breeds resentment between my children. 
this idea of like, if your children fight, put them in a giant t-shirt and make them stay together till they work it out. Like these ideas don't actually teach our children any of the skills that we want them to have when they grow up. Communication skills, coping skills, even dealing with people of different backgrounds and just different ways of being and living, it doesn't teach them tolerance. It just teaches them to ignore who they are, ignore who someone else is and say, oh, well, we all just have to fake it (laughs) until we make it. And that's the thing is they're faking it. They don't even necessarily like each other in the house or growing up just because we told them that they have to and they're siblings and they have to be best friends. That doesn't necessarily work. What I've noticed has worked in my house and again in my classroom is giving children space to pick and choose who they want to be friends with, just like we do as adults, like we choose people. And one thing that I'm always proud of my children is like they have always chosen great friends. And I think it's because they are experienced in being able to make their own choices. Now, I'm not saying I let my kids run around tearing each other down and hating each other and being the opposite of friends, right? We are still family. In the classroom, we are still a classroom. So there is a level of cooperation that has to happen. And one thing that I share with the kids in my classroom and the children in my home is that safety is number one for me. And when we talk about safety, we talk about physical safety, emotional safety, and mental safety. So as long as you are keeping people safe, like as a human, that's your job to keep people safe, emotionally, mentally, physically. As long as we are keeping people safe, that is the basis of the foundation that I can ask for out of my children. So if you are having an argument with a sibling, you don't have to be best friends, but you do have to work this out safely. Safely meaning you still have to respect their body, respect their feelings, respect the way that you speak to them. So there is still a foundation of safety, respect, kindness and communication so that at least we can have peace, right? And by practicing this and doing this, I'm teaching my children problem-solving skills, communication skills, conflict resolution skills, and also there is no resentment breeding. When you kind of allow them to take their time and move away from each other and take their space, they kind of gravitate back towards each other because there's no pressure and they get to choose it and they get to choose the relationship that they have with each other. And they're usually going to choose a healthy relationship to have with one another, regardless of whether or not they choose to be best friends. And one thing I can say from experience with siblings is that your siblings, depending on how many children you have, they're kind of going to go through ebbs and flows of their relationship and the dynamic of their relationship. There are going to be some years that your children are developmentally closer in the same space. So their interests are going to be the same. They're going to like each other more. They're going to want to spend time with each other more. And then there's going to be times where they're just not in the same place. But again, as long as you have that respect, that kindness, that communication, you can still have a household that's peaceful and you can still have a foundation for any type of positive, beautiful relationship to breed with them. And they still have that understanding that we are siblings. These are the people that are going to be around me for life. These are the people that at the end of the day I see. And these are the people that at the end of the day, if nobody else is there for me, they're going to be there for me. So you're not ruining relationships. You're building a strong foundation for healthy, positive relationships, regardless of how much time they want to spend with each other. 
So that's my time here for today, but I do want to leave you with homework. Your homework this week is going to be to figure out a way to give your child that one-on-one time, whether it's a daily thing, a weekly thing. I know monthly sounds like a little far apart. I'm talking about that more intimate, long time that you can spend with a child. I always encourage you to spend at least five to 10 minutes a day with your child where there are no interruptions. But in terms of having like a special day that you spend with your child, your homework is going to be to figure out how you're going to implement that in your life and in your family. And then like, what's one of the first things you're going to do with your child? That's your homework. Head over to the Parenting for the Culture podcast club. It's free in Google Classrooms. You can find the link right here in the show notes or in my bio on Instagram at Sheree Sims, but head over there and let me know how you are planning to implement this this week. Or if you've already done it, tell me how you did it and how it went. I look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you. And as always, if you guys have any parenting questions, please send them over to us. You can email us at podcasts with an S at gmail.com, or you can fill out the Google form right here in the show notes. You can also email me or DM me your questions at Instagram at Sheree Sims. Um, but go with like, go with the Gmail. Cause sometimes my messages be getting lost on Instagram. All right, everybody. I look forward to connecting with you all next week. Peace, everyone. <laughs>